I was watching Ben Chilwell pull his hamstring and then carry to the tunnel and he was practically dead. Yeah, she's when he had passed away. Like that, that word was used. Oh, it's, a, it's a tragedy. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. Brian O'Driscoll on Off The Ball with Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. You're welcome along. Happy to say Brian O'Driscoll has joined us in studio. Good afternoon. Hello. Afternoon, Joe. How's it going? Very well. That was quite the game. Yeah, it was. Um, it was. I was sad to miss it live. I was then at a version of the Hong Kong Sevens, um, albeit a Miles Tamer version of it this weekend. Um, so, yeah, I literally was going to sleep as it was kicking off or trying to go to sleep uh, and then woke up literally after, right after full time and saw that it was a positive result um, and then only got to see the game uh, probably when I arrived home yesterday. So, excuse my ignorance on some factors, but I've only seen it once. Most of us have only seen it once. <laughs> okay. Uh, this wasn't quite uh, Pretoria 09 physicality, but it was full-blooded. Oh, it was. Yeah, it was not for the faint-hearted. Yeah. It was, it was, yeah, throwback to that really, to all, everything we love about the gladiatorial nature of rugby. Um, I think you, you only get that type of rugby against South Africa because they really do only know one way. You know, the the platform that they set through the abrasiveness of their carries and the physicality that they show up front actually gives them an opportunity to showcase some of their skills. And we actually saw some of their passing and their ability to go wide right at the end of the game when they were chasing it a bit. And actually they, they posed some real threats, particularly with some of the subs that came on. Some of the ball handling was was very effective. And you kind of wonder why it, took, it takes them so long to, to go to that. Um, but for for large parts, Ireland had the answers to their physicality mm. um, through the pods and through the huge runners. And you have to remember, and sometimes you can't fully appreciate it on, on TV, is the sheer size of these men. Etzebeth, Steph Destoy, um, Mossart, Lou Dieger. These are gigantic humans. Yes. And, um, and I thought the combination, the... the chop focus but also an ability to understand where two man tackles were necessary um, I thought they, they defensively was one of their best performances by a, by a long way um, and then there were other unbelievably pleasing aspects and I think the catalyst for large parts of the confidence of the performance came from their mall defence I thought that was the best it's ever been um, South Africa, that's what they go to. That's their weapon. They, you know, they back themselves. They've got a really good line out. Mm. They win their ball most of the time. They get the set and just the sheer force and size of of their eight against even the best cohesive defensive molds that usually crumble. And yes. Ireland were absolutely outstanding in that department. Because it was notable, Paul O'Connell was getting a few uh, pats on the hand when yeah. mall defence was good in the coach's box. Was there anything visibly different about it? No, listen, this isn't, I, I, I'll be the first to say this isn't my area of expertise, but you could just tell the set, you know, it, more often than not, it's, they didn't challenge a lot of the time when, you know, the, the malls down in, within the or 22. If you put someone up and you don't get the ball and they set quickly, you're really in trouble. So 
it's about shot selection first of all identifying that they're going to win their line out ball letting them have it mm. um, and then setting yourself early we got penalised early very early on James Ryan gave away uh, a penalty for collapsing a mall it was a good you know, correct refereeing decision but other than that they just f- it seemed as though they got them into a a really good spot um, you know working together push them towards the, the touch line um, and and then you know I, I think it's it's a patience of stopping a side initially obviously you've got two goes where the referee says that stopped once and then it's about hanging in there and stopping any form of momentum and if you referees want to speed the game up they, they ultimately don't want they don't want stagnant ball. They don't want the ball not going anywhere. So that's why we're looking at at speeding the the game up, and that's why they've got those two opportunities. And if and it's very difficult to get it going after one go. And so it's just about patience and and staying in the fight and committing bodies as well. Mm. So that usually means that you're somewhat vulnerable elsewhere, but you've got to stop the ball at source and then back your other defensive capabilities after that. So you mentioned there um, Ireland and defence handling the size and size going back over the last couple of years at uh, provincial level and international level has been the kryptonite. Yeah. Um, so that's a bit more than, well, let's just roll up our sleeves and try harder. Uh, you mentioned sort of the intellect behind stopping the size. So maybe give us some examples of that. Two man tackles at the right time, all that stuff. Yeah, I, I think first of all is is not committing bodies to rooks of of being clever around it. Um, I think that's where we've got an edge over lots of teams on both sides of the ball is our efficiency at the rook, where there is a, a chance to identify where there's something for a Josh van der Vleer or someone to have a little poach. We saw Caelan Doris getting a turnover where they didn't put any number into a into a collapsed tackle. And so, you know, good access in to be able to steal it. We know Ty Byrne is one of the best in the world at it. So it's it's a real weapon of ours and, and Irish teams in general. I think we've, we're very effective that pilfering ball but it's it's knowing when that opportunity arises not having any um, anyone lying on the ground um, so tackler second, second effort getting up to try and counter Rook or getting back into the defensive line to create extra numbers the, the worst thing is to have a couple of bodies dead on the floor because straight away you're going to have to have at least two in the backfield and then it limits your numbers in the front line. And so that has a knock on effect to the speed that you can get off because of the separation of the players. So all of these things are cumul- cumulatively add up to yes. the overall line speed and effectiveness of a defensive line. Because I'm sure um, many of us watching that first 15 minutes where Ireland made in excess of 50 tackles were thinking, how sustainable is this? Yeah, I saw that the stat, f- 46 tackles in 12 minutes. Yeah. That is like superhuman you know and to, and to, and the and the knock on effect is that's tired bodies later on that that you mightn't impact yourself in the first half an hour but on top of them playing with the ball in hands trying to create your own opportunities that is you know so fatiguing so energy sapping yeah. that um it, it inevitably you know it costs you at some point be it in the 70th or you know 75th minute yeah. um but that wasn't the case um and I wanted to ask you because you you've been out there at that uh, extraordinary level uh, akin to a boxer punching himself out in some respects like who, who's it taking more out of when the South Africa yeah, usually the defensive team. Okay. Usually, yeah. It's, I, I think it is harder to defend than it is to, to go forward because because um, sometimes the defensive not that it's thankless because there's an enjoyment to be had mm. to it but playing with ball in hand there's 
I think we play rugby, most people play rugby to play with the attacking mindset rather than the defensive side of the games. Yeah. And some people play 50-50 with both. But for the most part, if you took a, a poll across all professional rugby sure. players, men and, and women, they would say that they prefer to play on the attacking side of the game. Even and those, so there's a positivity that comes yes, with that. Even those grunty one-off carries. Yeah, and, and listen, that, like in South Africa, that is their game. That's mm. where... You know, you look at Peter Steftatoy, you look at Etzebeth, that is their bread and, bread and butter. Their ability to get advantage line mm. and get teams on the back foot and be it, then you get get someone, a more positive angle around the corner to carry as a one-off runner again, or you screen them and go out the back and give your backs an opportunity to attack. So, um, I, and, I, and I wonder, like I, I thought they were kind of, bit devoid of ideas South African backline um, I think they're missing Am in a big way I'm not surprised you just saw the team against France mm. today that I'm not surprised Vili Leroux is back in at 15 and Colby's back into the wing you know I thought Vili Leroux um, was uh, was very good when he came on came in as a second distributor came into the centre an awful lot um, and uh, he might have even been he might have even replaced Willems did he as, as I'd have I'm not even entirely Willems sure Willems just stays is yeah, I what I saw stay, yeah, yeah. Which is um, a surprise. Yeah, so um, so I just thought that um, yeah, they they did look incredibly one dimensional. And the issue is with 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 playing that power game. If you are that one dimensional self, that if some someone does have the answer to you, of of course, not many teams do have the answer to those South African mm. might. But if you do have the answer to them, well, where where do you go? And, and more often than not, it's just another version of that game that they play. They just try a little bit harder. And and if you have the answers to it, well, it's very hard for them to and, create. Something. And, and would that give you great confidence now that Ireland come September twenty twenty three have the answer to that physicality? Listen, it it. Great confidence. It gives me some confidence for sure because you've done it once, mm. and that we have been able to nullify them and um, and and stop them from for the most part on the advantage line and limit their um, limit their their opportunity of of getting over over the whitewash. And actually, the you know the um, that's about offload with a beautiful piece of skill. So sometimes there it was a bit of an anomaly over the course of yeah. the of of the 80 minutes that was just a piece of brilliance and creation of space for the winger um, whereas for the most part it didn't feel as though they were as much as they were under pressure they didn't have to really fight off you know five metres out very often mm. which is where the likes of South Africa you know absolutely lap up you know the chance to take on teams confrontationally and have done for 80 years yeah. um, before yours and, and my time so um, it does give me confidence. Um, it also gives me confidence that there was lots of missed opportunities out there as well. You look at the massive hits from Creel and Mapimpi. You know, there was a couple of passes inside shoulder and we're talking hundreds of a second. Um, once or twice, I think there was a couple of aspects triggered them to cut off their defensive line. I think they were probably a bit concerned about the quality of the South African defence. So they uh, line out, I should say. So they they went over the 15 and as soon as the ball goes over the 15 the line out's over and so you you don't have to um hold back your you know your 10 meters and so you can shoot off the line and what that did was it it triggered their immediate line speed and and that's what plays into their hand they're they're it's all about scaring you and frightening you into throwing passes and getting in your face 
But yet, Ireland were very close from absolutely ripping them a couple of times. Yeah, so it, it was like a high wire act. So sorry, just so I have that right, Ireland may be concerned about the big South African men in their defensive line out and so went to the back yeah. and once it goes to the back, that's it goes over fifteen. Line. So you, so you, you, you know, you've more often than not simplify things. You've got three pods, two, four, and six. Mm. Um, and as soon as the back lifter steps over the fifteen, the the ball, if they step over the fifteen, and they don't go to them. Technically, the referee should penalise them because you're not meant to leave that fifteen mm. unless the ball goes to that pod. As soon as he steps over, then you. Um, then you're entitled to encroach on the on the 10 metres. And so sometimes teams do that to trigger you to do that, to shoot off the line. And then maybe you might put a little dink over the top yes, knowing they're yes. going to be charging. Or you might do a, a kind of a dummy off the top and a little peel play around the corner. Whereas I, I kind of got the sense that you look at their, their you know, two second rows even Mostart when he came on but Lou Dieger and Etzebeth and then Peter Steff Tatoy one of the best line out operators in, in kind of in any back row in the world mm-hmm. you look at those three possible pods you know no team wants the ball at two so they only have to single pod the number two jumper and then they can double pod elsewhere um, and the strength of some of their you know, the, um, some of their front rowers as well the ability to get players up on their own plus there is a proper athletes as well so they try and pod two and four and they'll give you the ball at two if you're if you're really after it they let you have that because it's not it's no good to you um, from either mall or from off the top because you think about the distance the ball has to travel from mm. the second um, fr- from two right across your 10 knowing that there's a good chance for your tail gunners the two guys at the back of the line to shoot out on 10 as well so in a backs world you only want four and six ball and so to get that six ball it's it's a bit counterintuitive to go over the 15 to trigger that defensive line speed but yet they still almost got them a couple of times allowing them to do that so if they can win the ball at six without stepping over the 15 and get it off the top, you get the best ball and then you get a little bit more time and space to be able to suck them into defending the way they want to frantically, but then pull that trigger pass that just was off a couple of times. There's another occasion that um, off scrum, I couldn't believe how tight they were playing off scrum. They play four up. It was like, a throw, you know, it's like something you see in the in the 90s with, with the Irish, Irish team that I joined initially and then teams can, could pull it apart. Um, whereas they're playing four up and then they back their scramble. But if you can be really accurate with your passing and get it exactly where you want to. There was one time that Sexton got it back from a, a quick loop, pre- loop play and then Hugo Keenan kind of on a bounce pass, just the ball was a bit high. If he's a little bit wider there, Ireland are gone and around the corner and then they're on they're on proper scramble. Yes. Well, it did feel on any number of occasions where Ireland were trying to get it out of the fringes that we were talking milliseconds yeah it is and, that, and that's the listen they're the margins that they work with as well that you know the they've they've had huge success with that they do leave a, um a good bit to the individual um of, and usually with colby and mapimpy on the wings they're very very good at reading situations they're also incredibly fast so 
the, the ability to read in or dummy in and then and then play soft at times. They change up their defensive systems. They're not 100% readable of doing the same thing every time. These are clever rugby players yeah. playing within a system that has a, an adaptable nature, but does showcase a massive aggression. So the pimpy hit on uh, Keenan at one stage. Yeah, just, and again, that's just inside past. You know, someone sticks Connor Murray. I think it was just stuck um, a Klusky maybe before the ball gets back t- to the pass being thrown to to Keenan. And okay, maybe he had him lined up the whole the whole way, but th- th- there are very very small margins yeah. on those. And and if you, it does feel as though. South Africa leave themselves open to getting cut apart but most of the time they don't because they make these great reads but if you can get yourself down to crazy accuracy you can you can really expose a defence like that playing so aggressively So why did Ireland manage to make a breakthrough in the second half then? Well you look at the at the at the scores they got okay one is a driving mall you know that we obviously defended brilliantly well what an incredible finish that was by the way for Josh van der Fleer were you kicking to the corner as captain I think you're always kicking to the corner now I think teams are gone you look at we were in fairness to Ireland and and you know to a lesser degree Leinster I I think they were um, instigators across the board in going to the corner an awful lot more than other teams you're seeing lots of sides turning down three points now the realisation that you need tries to win games yeah. Criticised for it in Paris Yeah yeah. and listen you, anytime you don't convert and you lose a game of course you know it's easy to come back and go oh we lost by two or why didn't why didn't we I think you have to gauge how, how the ebbs and flow of a game goes as well at certain times you know the momentum going into halftime, kicking three points can be very important uh, versus going to the corner and not coming out with anything, yeah. having a concerted period of time in possession. I think you've got to weigh that up as a, as a captain and as a leadership group. But for the most part, if you feel as though you've got an excellent mall, which Ireland have, and, and look at how many tries Josh van der Fleer has scored in, over the course of this season as well, a large number of them coming from mall. Um, that it's hard not to back yourself mm. and there will be situations where you will look back and rue and kick yourself going oh did we pick the right you know, sure. call but that's you know that's hindsight um, but it was still an incredibly good finish in a mall that was defended quite well yeah. like you think about talking about trying to you, you want to force all your, your players from the back of the line out pushing to the sideline because it's an additional defender so whereas the last thing you want to do is allow a team to maul back infield you want to push them to security where as well you don't give them a, a blind side if the ball does collapse where you, you narrow their options down and give, the, give yourself a chance to get off the defensive yeah. line so um, yeah listen that was a great score and then obviously the you know it's broken field it's a turnover for the second try and these are very these are two big moments right it's you know two tries we landed out of the conversion no. so it's 10 it's 10 points um, and in a game like of of that closeness 10 points is significant so, but the the turnover the ability to read the balls out and but what Doris had to do to pick the ball up and ride the tackle that came in and then offload the ball was really sublime mm. it was a proper piece of skill that um, and then to keep it alive and then the know-how of Gibson Park to get through the gap but not overplay his hand as well and, and, and get the ball out to 
Byrne, who um, I don't know if, if his pass was actually destined for Hugo Keenan or whether it was for Jimmy O'Brien, but Keenan held on to it really well. You know, and then Jimmy did a very, very good job in squaring up at the very end and, and sucking in the winger yeah. and giving Mac a, a run in. So um, it was a, br- a brilliantly well converted turnover try of in broken field. A couple of reasons people are um, very enthused or encouraged by the win. Uh, the physicality point handled, which we've uh, discussed. Ireland didn't play their scintillating best rugby it was a bit of a grind which is a good way to win as well and then thirdly strength and depth was to the fore here so Finley yeah. Bealan played 40 minutes and then I mean I'm sure you were watching what was going on at centre very closely yeah. I, I have to say and, and I've, I wouldn't say I've been a critic of Stuart McCluskey I thought that um, obviously provincially and, and European wise very very nice player very effective for Ulster but in his previous caps in big games for Ireland I thought he'd looked one dimensional I think there's an extra aspect to his ball carrying in, in particular as he gets a little bit older I think he's becoming an even better ball carrier and there was one instance early on um, where Creel made that massive collision on I'm going to say Hugo Keenan he popped it out um, and, and uh, McCluskey's last man what he did thereafter he beats five tacklers but an ability to allow his support to get with him whereas if he gets chopped there you know there's no one home mm. and you get turned over it's it's all over Hugo's just been tackled so his ability to be able to ride four or five tackles and then place the ball back and allow yourself to get back in the game get back in the point was really excellent he they have nine tackles in, in the time that he was on that is you know massive work rate the one where Sexton got done for the high tackle on Dialende which is, is pretty harsh when someone leads in with their head maybe they played into his hand because Johnny t- tackles high you lead with your head where is he going to hit other than around your head but I thought it was really clever from McCluskey locked between his legs and didn't allow him get a knee to the ground so there's just small aspects to McCluskey's game that I thought were very very impressive mm. um, defensively really good work together with, with Gary Ringrose and Johnny um, and it's a real pity for him that he didn't get a, a better run um, at it because what I saw I really liked well thankfully he's still in the squad for the Fiji game it's not as serious as it first looked so that's also see. brilliant and a nightmare all in the one <laughs> like at, at training this week if you, if you haven't gone and broken your arm and you've gone off in a test match you're <laughs> going to get absolute dogs abuse from your teammates the Lazarus calls all week when he comes out to training <laughs> today <laughs> you're, ne- you're nearly praying for, for something more serious not not really but no it is great news that he's that he might be in contention um, so we might get a look at him again and then quite the 48 hours in Jimmy O'Brien's life yeah like and to go in at centre too like, you can't have imagined that he obviously was covering it but um, but not really but not really yeah. and to know all the plays and know the lines and um, obviously they've been in camp and I'm sure they were probably running very similar patterns as a backline um, launch plays um, and in both the mm-hmm. the A game and the and um, the South African game, uh, albeit slightly different defensive systems. I, I don't I don't know. I didn't get I didn't get a chance to see the um, the A game, uh, unfortunately. Um, but for him to come in and equip himself that well defensively, very good, made some. You know, held on to the ball once or twice when he could have thrown 50-50s. Just really clever, good strategic play and a great debut. Yeah, um, it does feel like once Ringrose is in there, is this like Rolls Royce intelligence? Uh, 
even when he's not catching the eye, he's kind of catching the eye. Like he, had a, he had a really, really yeah. good game. And, and listen, the other, there'll always be a couple of numbers beside him of missed tackles and people, but but it's what you can't put into context there is what his body position has looked like to stop the ball getting outside him. And, yeah. But yet he doesn't get a full shot on someone. But yet there's not line breaks that come from it. It's, you know, you, you can't just put, you know, keep, look at them in its entirety on pure stats. You have to understand it with a view to what the game does um, or what, what the individual does to stop a greater threat out yeah. wide. And, and he does that. He's always been that guy who's had a, had a few misses, but it's there's more to it than meets the eye. I, I the 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 venomous nature of his hits I think has improved times them well and yeah I think his timing yeah. is excellent he he's he's a big enough guy you know and, and he's obviously 27 28 now so he's filled out he's in the peak of his powers but he's really guys f- feel as though there's a nasty ed- nastier edge to him now I think and a mm. real physicality that maybe he didn't possess previously or he didn't get credit for and I thought he was he was excellent besides his ball carrying I thought just his defensive work of making big hits it, it, it's almost a bit I was watching over in, in Hong Kong on the scramble um, Fiji are different than everyone else on scramble defence looks as though they're right to be broken and then they come in and end someone in, in a scramble tackle and he has a little bit of that where it looks as though he's out of play or he's going to get exposed and all of a sudden it's not just a scrag and dragging someone down but actually a forceful hit mm. that makes a big difference to the knock-on effect of how that rook is recycled and, and what that ball player is able to do from a speed of presentation point of view. How did Robert Balakun do? Yeah, like I, I felt for him a small bit because some of the bread and butter stuff didn't quite play out like, you know, you, Etzebet did really well once in the air um, where you know, he, he was catching a ball more so it was positive from Etzebeth's point of view rather than a drop pass. Um, like, the thing is, I'm a, I'm a really big Robert Balakun fan and I think what you've got there from a potential point of view is significant. I guess it just wasn't necessarily his game. He did some great stuff. Mm. He had some lovely touches. Of course, like all, nearly all players, you have one or two mistakes, but it must have been a tiny bit frustrating that he just didn't quite get the... Um, the ball in space that we know you're capable of but he's a very very good defender mm. um, I think one of you know one of the better defending wingers around even when he doesn't read it perfectly his speed and ability yeah. to get back in, in, in the game like there was one that was a little chipped through and he actually played quite high because Ireland wingers do play quite high but I, I watched him and the nudge in behind and and Keenan was exposed in the backfield, but his ability to be able to turn and accelerate and get back to the ball before before McPimpy, I think it was on, on his side, who was you know accelerating and knew this was coming, like it was it was top yeah. class. So I I think we've got to give him more time because he could yeah. definitely be a starter for you. I can tell you've only watched the game back once. Your recall is a disgrace here. Today. <laughs> I just, it's shocking. I, I have I have made a I've made a couple of Dude. of notes, but do you want to give us the minute by minute? It's like, <laughs> come on! I'd hate to see if you watched it twice. Um, Ian Henderson's back in the squad. Mm. So how does that Irish pack look? Um, you get taken out. I, like like Treadwell's always done well when he's come on. Um, 
it hasn't felt as the second row has been diminished anyway, but I, I do think that Henderson is getting in the 23 ahead of Kieran Treadwell. And is he in the 15? No, he's not. I don't think so. I think now Henderson is at the moment on on the bench. Um, he's one of those guys that it's always going to be a close call um, as to starting on the bench. Um, feels like on the back of the performance that James Ryan remains number one. Some people down in Munster will disagree with me around Tyg Byrne, who had a good game, but maybe not to his poaching best yes, or, yeah, yeah. you know, big moment um, performance that were... that like New Zealand was yeah, outrageous. That, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, where Henderson obviously brings a slightly different aspect to his game. He's more confrontational, more physical. Um, whereas Byrne has, yeah, these these kind of cameo, not cameo moments, they had big moments that have a major impact on the overall flow of a game. Henderson's not really that sort of guy, but he's he's a grafter, he's a work rate guy. Um, so it's, it's a nice headache to have, but I do feel as though for now the partnership looks like Ryan and and Tyke Byrne, I did think James Ryan was excellent um, at the weekend as well. Really good square carries. For a guy who's perceived to be on the lighter side of second rows, I think a bit a bit akin to Josh van der Fleer, his angles of running now mm. and intellect around his carry has gotten really good. There's so much square and he's catching guys on inside shoulder and he's making... Um, a different sort of extra yard or two before it was like head down and barreling guys. I think there's a cl- slightly greater cleverness to his um, his running and his and his carrying game, which will also in the long term benefit him as well. I thought yes. the way he was playing the game three, four years ago and the hard yards he was trying to eke out was it felt like it was going to be a seven year career rather than a, you know, a 12, 13, 14 year career. Oh, interesting. So that more sustainable way of playing and, just in the last year. But also, you know, v- having the variety of, yeah. of and the and the and the same shape on your carry, but the different pops in yeah. out, pass out the back. Um, and when have you started to notice that? I, I like that was. I think it was quite en- uh, quite quite noticeable this weekend. I think it's probably subconsciously it's been there for the last few games. Okay. And when he's you know his form has started to to really pick back up again, he probably had a bit of a lull period for. A year after that incredible start to his yeah. his career, um, a, a bit like Skulk Berger, when he came back, um, he had you know an extended period of time, and he you know we associate with Skulk Berger back in the noughties, this blonde um, mop running, charging like a rugby league player, yeah. and trying to create holes, and then all of a sudden he became a ball player, and that what happens is when you become the ball player, the holes, the soft shoulders open up a little bit more, and. The, the, the hard yards are a bit easier to come by so it, it kind of feels as though James Ryan is thinking his way around that a little bit more too uh, It was quite evident that the coaching staff decided to eke every possible second out of Johnny Sexton that they could possibly get in this game that they desperately wanted to win it's understandable but it does again highlight that dynamic at 10 Penny for Carberry's thoughts when he saw Sexton down injured and physio on and can you stay on and you've got to stay on and you do stay on and he gets what 90 seconds at the end uh, presumably he'll start against Fiji so uh, where must Carberry feel he is? Yeah I, I think before we say that I, I think these were all m- uh, momentum builders in the confidence of this team as well and there's a nervousness around the continued over-reliance on Johnny. Um, a, a bit like New Zealand too, you know, would 
you know, starting three test matches, would, would we have thought before Andy would have done that? No way. Mm. Um, whereas um, this was an important game and it doesn't really matter what Johnny does after this. If he, d- if he doesn't play again, he, he will want to play against sure. Australia um, or even in the 23. Um, but um, I think this was an important one knowing we have them next year that it's not unthinkable that you could have them twice in a in a World Cup if you both if, if you go well. In, in a way that's my point this was the important one yeah. and we saw the lack of faith in bringing Carberry on it's easy to but bring it's on it's, it's, easy, it's to, easy to bring on Carberry next week or against Australia this was the important get, one the game was in the balance and, yeah. and you know broken record we, we are a better team yeah. with, 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 you gotta play your best hand uh, against the best teams and your best hand has the captain involved for as long as he can stay on the field and I understand the logic absolutely bashed, I understand the logic but yeah. he still did and and you know Joey the thing about Joey is anytime he's come on and we talked about it previously like he is a really good guy to bring on and close games off and kick points and nudge corners and there's no panic that comes with it there is a cool head in there it's just we don't know what the creative side of his game really looks like because he hasn't had too many opportunities he'll play against Fiji of course it, I think it would probably be prudent to, to start him against Australia because I think you could still It'll be a tough game against Australia. You will win against Fiji. Yeah. Um, you, um, if you, the important one was South Africa. You know, if you go and try some things against Australia and you don't win, it's not the end of the world. The fact that with our full strength team against South Africa, who we have in our pool next year, we won in an attritional game where they threw everything at us. Mm-hmm. We had many answers. I think that is what you'll take from this November. If you can get three from three with using different personnel I personally would play Joey um, against Australia um, just because I think he needs a high octane game Mm. and he needs an opportunity to play against one of the better nations in the world so whatever happens this week I I would play him but um, but tricky to for uh, Farrell to have a word with Johnny saying Joe I'm going to sit you out for the next two weeks skips mm. um, it's funny Jay Thornley and Andy Dunn were in here yesterday and we were trying to get a sense of what you can take from this win into the World Cup next year if anything and one of the questions I asked was if Pollard had started that game played that game for South Africa would South Africa have won they both said yeah yeah maybe yeah obviously goal kicking was was crucial um, there was a you know badly missed penalty wasn't even close mm. early on two conversions they um, felt general play as well that team yeah. was made for a 10 like Pollard not yeah I, I thought they yeah they yeah he, he's definitely a, way more of a controlling 10 he's a much better kicking game like his kicking game to look at think about the strength of how good Am is in the air with Dielende and the the two wingers as well. They're they're you know so when they do kind of run out of ideas, their kicking game is better than what we saw at the weekend. Mm. Um and probing the corners and playing to the strength of an enormous pack as well. So I I would probably agree that maybe they do, but they, they, there's nothing between these teams. No. And that's the great thing. That's the exciting thing. I, I was chatting in um the schoolyard with um my son, the parent of one of my son's friends, and a South African guy, and um, and kind of for the first time, it really does feel as though going into the World Cup that it's in a, it's a genuine respect 
for Ireland for where they're at. It's a it's a it's a deserved best in the world, and that it's really whet the appetite for what that's going to be like. The concern would be what are what's the the injury makeup of uh, a game in a pool in a pool match like that when the stakes are even higher in Rugby World Cup. As in how many players about, will yeah. not On both be sides, available. you look yeah. at Luke Dier and one or two others, I'm sure, are licking their wounds from their perspective. But um, Well, I asked you before, and you shut this down, and I understand, but I did say to you before, is there an argument that you don't play Sexton against South Africa in the pool game, and he is ready for quarterfinal, which is difficult either way. Yeah, but what does that say? We, and, and we said, what does that, what message does that say send? To Joey Carberry or to the next To anyone, 10? to your whole team. It's, it sends the message that Saturday sent, which is we no, didn't but trust it's like you like we're kind of, we're, we're, not, we're not putting all our eggs into this basket. We, you know, we're, we might be giving up this one because, you know, a second's not too bad. I just think that the negative mentality around that would be detrimental to any squad. You yeah, could, I think you, so. You couldn't get everyone on board and say, we understand. I just we think, understand. You know, well, it's just, it's a bit defeat. It's not defeatist, but it's a bit hedging your bets. Now, these aren't, they're not hedging the bets, guys. They've got sure. themselves to a position now that they've gone and done things the hard way. Mm. And when you go and win in New Zealand and you win against South Africa and you, you know, you push... France, the pin of their collar sure. in France, and in a Grand Slam year, uh, Grand Slam year, I think there is no. You're in the right to not be afraid of anyone. No, I understand or anything. that. It's it's the co- it's the injury cost of that South African game, and there's no prize for beating South Africa. You get France or you get New Zealand. Yeah, but well, yeah. I, I actually it's funny because maybe before the weekend, I didn't see all of the. I didn't see France, Australia. But New Zealand obviously sounded as though they were pretty impressive. Um, before that, you probably would have thought you'd want New Zealand. But it's a toss of a coin, isn't it? <laughs> France and New Zealand in a quarterfinal. <laughs> France at home, New Zealand in a World Cup. Yeah. You know. There's no prize for being in no. South Africa. There isn't, but... It's, it's the you, message you, is wrong. Yeah, fair enough. The subconscious... Um, mental attitude towards your coach saying we're going to hold off our and not play our best player because we've got a, a, a tough game next week in a World Cup just I just think that would have negative connotations I will take your word for it um, to the point on um, fine margins Razi Erasmus on Twitter felt there were fine margins as well yeah I'm amazed a year on from the fallout from the lines he's decided to go public again with criticism of a referee Sorry, public again. It was uh, not his leaking a year ago, but he saw the fallout. This was very deliberate. It was on his Twitter feed and he's going after a referee, handing him over to the Twitter mob. Let's see what World Rugby are made of now. What should they do? Well, I I think I I haven't seen exactly what he said, so I... I, I get it for you. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'd be um, resting to kind of comment on something that I don't know. I actually saw the, the... I saw Jerry on on social media um, talking about your clip yesterday, but I, I I'm kind of talking about a, a subject that I don't entirely no, that's know. He's um, oh, interesting. He doesn't follow anyone on Twitter. Zero. Right. <laughs> that was a move, isn't it? Uh, so what he tweeted was he tweeted nothing inflammatory in the tu- in the tweet. Mm-hmm. He just a tough test match. Thanks for all the support from South Africa. Also thanks to the Ireland supporters at the Aviva. You definitely understand the game. It's great to play in an atmosphere like yesterday. It surely was a game of big battles but small margins and has a finger pointing down to the video which is the video of in the build up to the Ireland try ball kicked out from 
uh, rook yeah. and it's allowed and then f- next to that South Africa ball kicked out and I think Etzebet gets it and runs but the referee calls it back so he's yeah. saying lack of consistency I, mean, I think he's he's right in that yeah, point yeah he is right it's, in that it's point going, it's the going public aspect yeah and listen you know I was looking there was a Dion Ferry got a penalty where the referee was blindsided he went in and and you know stole a ball but he had, his knee had touched the ground and the referee couldn't have seen it from his side but you know it was it was definitely a penalty the other way on on the basis of uh, of hitting the ground and not releasing so like it 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 comes in roundabouts it really does and and if you are going to scrutinize every decision you'll be sure that it'll be close to 50-50 on both sides they yeah. don't think it was home favorite refereeing um and so i think it's it, it i think that's less serious than than during the, the, the last summer with um with Nick Berry and the scrutiny that that the, the that refereeing trio was put under um i think it's just it's um distasteful mm. you know it's not something that you you necessarily want to to be getting into but you know i think provided we're not you know, pinpointing out, you know, referees and, and scrutinising them as, as individuals that, of course, there's going to be decisions that referees will get and miss over the course of a game. And that's part and parcel of, you know, why we watch and what and our talking points and that you know, in the perfect game, we get a bit boring. Every decision right, you know, we... Do you, we, do you think... Uh, so Erasmus is doing this for a whole variety of reasons, not least it puts pressure on referees in subsequent games. It's the same. It's the and same into the World Cup. So, like, should Andy Farrell be doing this? Is this how... No. Be bigger than that. Be bigger than that. Don't, you know... Um, my wife was t- told once, they aim low, you aim high. You know, um, don't get drawn down to someone else's level. Set your own level, set your own standards and your own... Um, expectations of what your values are and what you consider um, the right way to behave and um, and conduct yourself and you know what someone else does is that's that's their prerogative but you shouldn't be impacted by how someone else does something um, irrespective of their success in doing so mm. I think you just have to stand by what your um, kind of compass moral or value is and and stay the course on it. Cheson Cobley not cited uh, for the yellow. What was your read on that? Yeah, it's it's one where obviously I, I had heard in advance that he was lucky to get away, and and I and I maintain that I think the referee the terminology is incorrect. First of all, he goes um, the sorry the TMO says player able to roll out. Player, that's not their duty to be a, to have to roll out. That's the duty of care is with the tackler, mm. not the 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 tackled player. So he's able to roll out. He does to stop himself getting impacted on the head. The force is going to be head first. Then uh, he does roll it out. So it's kind of the back of his head still impacts first. Arm first, head next, neck after that, and then back. And so the referee says. Um, he lands on his back. That's rubbish. He doesn't land on his back. He, his head hits first. The force isn't enormous. He's not injured, but that's not what the rules say. It's Is it above not? the horizontal. Because I thought they were talking about the lack of force. Actually, no, but if you land on your head, if, there, if the impact and above the horizontal and you impact and land on your head, I, my understanding was that, you know, even if it's light force landing on your head, mm. 
Like, what, what message are we sending that, oh, if it's not big force, then... So, okay, I stand corrected. I don't know, is the force in a tip tackle like that relevant or not? I think we, you know, during the, is it foul play? Is there force? I think that's different to a tip tackle. In a tip tackle, if if someone, if the leg is brought above the horizontal and there, and he does drive, but yet he's fortunate that because Mac tucks his head, he doesn't actually go head first direct with force into the game but that's on him more than on the tackler so I think he's very lucky I do think he's very lucky but it's interesting that he hasn't been um, cited cited, Mm. so someone else doesn't agree with with, um, me on it Um, it's one of those that you know is maybe a softer red yes um, but a very fortunate yellow Mm. and and you're going to have those ones where there's, it's a, you know, it'll split opinion and there'll be in South Africa, you know, when this goes out, it'll, I'll, my Twitter feed will light up and go, oh, you know, green eyed monster, blah, 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 all that. And, but that's the, re- that's the nature of what we do sure. too, where we talk about incidents. You try and remove yourself from, uh, I, sorry, conversely, I think um, Mac Hansen uh, dodged a total bullet on, on a short case yellow card with seven minutes to go in that tackle where the knock-on came from a from a, a, a tack, an arm within the tackle. Like, the action of the arm is so unnatural. Mm. And you could see him smiling in the camera action. I think he not, knew he got, got away with it. So for me, that should have absolutely been a yellow card because it's not like this big wrap from the outside. It's like he has this little T-Rex arm that goes into slapping the ball down. And it doesn't... At, at no point does that look like a purely natural mm. movement. So... If we are weighing up one versus the other, I, I think there's another point for Rassi to be able to get on Twitter talking about that. Well, maybe his player dodged a bullet, but definitely yeah, Mac, Mac Hansen did as well. Okay. Uh, to round this off then, anything against Fiji at the weekend that you would like to see or you're expecting to see? I, you need to see some personnel changes. Um, you know, guys that are... I think y- you've got to remember to give guys that are going to be players 24 to 30 three um, in your World Cup squad a bit of game time mm. um, so I think this is a perfect opportunity to bring in a number of them of course you had the Ireland A game last weekend and you know not many guys really put their hand up from it so this is a, a test match an opportunity to to play in um, in the Aviva and um, and to play against very physical opposition mm. um, so yeah I think some of those personnel will need to get and other guys that need game time um, Carberry obviously um, Jimmy O'Brien will get another start yeah. um, you know guys maybe coming back from injury you got to remember as well there's you know there's so many other players on the periphery that have they're not forgotten men but because of where the team is going over the course of the last number of months that guy's like Conway you know that yeah. all of a sudden you know you've got James Lowe and Mac Hansen and Robert Balakoon and these guys really excelling but you've still got that caliber of, of player to rely on so um, Jordan Larmer another one yeah. these guys you know they're kind of it's a while not, since they're, 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 yeah they're out of the conversation whereas so that type of player where where fit need an opportunity to be able to show what what they're capable of again. Um, so final overarching thought and there, see I'm conscious there is a degree in this chair of 
nitpicking and trying to pick out what's wrong there and the That's sex good, and thing. Right? And, you know, you, you're, you're trying to do that because otherwise we can't just sit here and say that not, was great. We're End not cheerleaders here. You're, we're here to actually try and be subjective in our opinion, even though we have an allegiance one way or sure. another. You know, you could still try and look at they'll be annoyed that they that they left opportunities out there that they didn't run the necessary lines to really take advantage of yeah. you know, defensive mishaps here and there. I think that will be uh, of annoyance. Um, a couple of silly penalties given away unnecessarily. Um, you always work on your discipline. Um, and, you know, and yet, other, than, other than that. Well, I was, I was going to say, and yet, for all the nitpicking, you compare 2018 to this year, and this does feel far more encouraging than... What? what um, why? Well, like we just beat the All Blacks in November in 2018, and we were we were, we were we were taking on the world. I would disagree good. at this at that moment. Okay, January, time. February, England, <laughs> February, February 2019. Andy Dunn maybe made the point that it just couldn't get any better in 18. That all systems have been maxed out. The game plan was almost being carried out to perfection, and there was almost nowhere for it to go. Whereas there's more for it to go here. That, but of course, we're looking at that now. Retrospectively. Retrospectively. Whereas in 2018, in that November, having beaten the All Blacks, we were like, oh, we are destined for greatness. Here's a fun question for you. Does the team of 2018 beat the team of 2022? I, like, um, it's so hard because, because we've got two completely different game plans it depends on the defensive setup of both teams and I think the defensive setup of this team is better so I would say on the grounds of that because if if you were a good defensive team against 2018 team I think you could have their number because you worked out that you know if you if you defended beyond four or five phases you know the multi-phase wasn't was kind of non-existent whereas in this team their defensive setup is very good so they could have negated that but also on top of that what they can do in attack against any type and form of defence won't get it right the whole time but if it's a softer defence it plays into their hands on that fast up defence that we saw at the weekend if you can get your accuracy spot on you can pull them apart you can come a cropper as well as we saw a couple of times with some huge collisions but the margin on either side of that success seems so tiny against those hard pressing defences so I think this team is a better team but largely based on um on the attacking game plan, but also structurally in defence, I think they're, they're they've got a better idea of, of what they're trying to achieve, and the personnel in there have way more confidence um, in in kind of key positions. Okay, very interesting. Our rugby coverage and off the ball with thanks to Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. Brian O'Driscoll, pleasure. Thank nice you. One. Cheers, Joe. Brian O'Driscoll on off the ball with Vodafone main sponsor of the Irish rugby team we all belong to the team of us